Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to a brand new podcast, Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And we are going to be watching the whole of the Avengers, right from the start, from 1961 onwards, starting with the first episode, Hot Snow. Any of you who've tuned in thinking we're going to be talking about the Marvel superheroes, different Avengers. This is the 1960s um, British spy TV drama. So if you want to hear us talking about Iron Man, you're going to be a bit disappointed. Simon, do you want to give us a, a brief overview of what The Avengers was? That's a bit of a tricky question because The Avengers pretty much reinvented itself year by year. It started off as a vehicle for Ian Hendry, who'd been the star of Police Surgeon. And the producers liked him in that role, but recognised that half-hour episodes set in a police station were a a little bit limited. So they envisaged this uh, crime drama quite gritty in the first year with him as the lead character and with a kind of mysterious secret agent initially comes across as a kind of undercover policeman called John Steed, who was definitely in the first series the secondary character. He doesn't even appear in all of the episodes. In fact, one of the the very few surviving episodes doesn't feature Steed at all. So this was a a vehicle for Ian Hendry to continue doing his medical detective role. And actually, the, the third regular, Ingrid Hafner, had played the part of his nurse on Police Surgeon. So, so they came across as, a, as an established double act. So to be clear, this isn't a continuation with the same character. It's just no. a sort of... No, no, no. It, it's because he'd he'd impressed people with the uh, the character that he was playing in that show, and so they built this new show around him. Doctor Kill leaves at the end of the first season. There's a handful of episodes where the plot revolves around there being a doctor on board. So there's a a replacement doctor character, Doctor Martin King, who comes in for a few episodes in the second series. There is a nightclub singer, Venus Smith, who helps out in half a dozen episodes, and there is a third assistant, Kathy Gale, played by Anna Blackman, who really took the role, made it her own. We'll talk a lot more about the character of Kathy Gale when we come on to do second and third season. She was the sole assistant in the third season. And then she leaves and is replaced by Diana Rigg as Emma Peel. And at that point, the Avengers that we know from repeats as quirky and science fictiony in places really takes off. So up until then, it was predominantly a spy crime drama. And then when season four, Diana Rigg comes aboard, it becomes more quirky, more unusual plots. And then by the time you get to the, the sixth and final season with Linda Thorson as Tara King, it's really more jokey than the, the series format can can cope with. There's, there's some very good episodes in the sixth series. Both of the regulars work very well, but there's also some episodes that are just a little bit too jokey. But for the moment, we are concentrating on series one. We're going to do it episode by episode. Unfortunately, very few episodes from season one survive. There are three complete episodes that survive. And the first episode, Hot Snow, the first reel survives. So we we can see what happens up until the first advert break. 
introduced the character of David Keel. Unfortunately, the character of John Steed doesn't appear in the surviving footage, but we've got a very nicely done reconstruction that came out with the latest DVD collection. And also, um, Big Finish have made audio versions of all episodes of the first season. When we're going to be talking about episodes that don't exist, a lot of the time we're going to be talking about the Big Finish reconstruction. And Big Finish, rather than some of the other stuff where they've built on the, the, the plots and, and done new storylines with the Avengers, they went into it very clearly saying, this is a reconstruction that we're doing. <laughs> Hot Snow was the first one, and we're very lucky actually, it is the first reel, the first 20 minutes up to the first advert break that exist. This was produced and filmed on the 30th of December 1960, and transmitted on the 7th of January 1961 on the ABC networks in the Midlands and Anglia regions. ABC at the time was Associated British Corporation. There were 26 episodes in the first series. This is the first one. Now, despite the fact that none of them, there is no documentation that exists that says that any of the episodes in that first run were sold overseas, the first reel was found in the University of California library. And the first couple of episodes were recorded, well, obviously a few days before, on Ampex tapes. These were a two-inch format and the first commercially available video format in the world. To give you some idea, they were launched in 1956. One tape cost $300 and gave you an hour of tape. And the machine itself cost $45,000. So it's a reasonably expensive format, but the stability and picture quality was proven to the point where it, it won awards. It won Emmys, I believe. The original version of the theme is by John Dankworth. Now, this was used for Series 1 and 2, slightly reworked for Series 3 before being replaced by uh, the one that more people know from Series 4 onwards. Hot Snow was written by Ray Rigby. That was from a story by Patrick Braun. We have draft and camera scripts from this. Uh, there are no telesnaps and only a handful of production and publicity photographs. So scant material exists. I'm just delighted, though, that the first 20 minutes do. It's a great way of establishing just how different that Avengers is, how it started out from what it became later on. Anyone can make a mistake. Anyway, Spice will get it back, won't he? Well, it's the first time I've ever slipped up. Oh, yeah, and the last. Now, she got a good look at you, this receptionist. No, she didn't. I just handed in the parcel, that's all. Oh, she'd I know... wasn't there a minute. She'd know you again. Now, look, Charlie, it was addressed to Treddy. I delivered it to Treddy. Now, how was I to know? Ah, well, you must have been coped up. No, I wasn't. Yeah. Your first visit to this contact, and you were I. No, I looked it up in the telephone book. Honest, Charlie. You were I. Ah, now, what if old Sparta don't get the stuff back? What then? He must. And if he doesn't? And they open it, and a girl knows you delivered it, and, well, you're our leg man, so follow you, and, uh, and then what's going to happen? Yeah, but she didn't. You're going to have to explain to the big man how you comes to lose 4,000 quids worth of snow. Yeah, but if Spicer gets it back, well, we don't have to tell him. He already knows. What? What's he say? What do you think? 
when I was first finding my feet as a, a baby Telefancy fan way back in the 80s, the understanding was that it was only the first two episodes that had been recorded and the rest were put out live and they'd, they'd recorded the first two episodes so that regions that didn't pick up the series when it first started could show those two two episodes to give an introduction to the characters and they could join in with the rest of the showings now. Well, it's a bit of a myth uh, because all of the episodes were recorded. There were quite a few that were pre-recorded on Ampex tape. There was a block in the middle. They were transmitted live, but they were recorded on transmission. So the fantasy that they were transmitted live so there were no tape recordings available is a bit of a myth because they were biked around the regions and they couldn't really do that if they were live with no recording. And all the documentation exists to, to show that they were definitely recorded. So it does sort of give a little bit of hope that more of these might turn up. It's not beyond the realms of fantasy. Yes, because um, back in the 80s, though we knew that everything from season two onwards existed, there wasn't anything existing from season one. We had, hadn't got the, the hot snow footage. None of the three episodes that have since been recovered were available. In fact, the most recent recovery is just within the last few years. When the last collection came out, uh, Tunnel of Fear isn't on it. So that's been released separately. We're talking about hot snow. We are. Do you want to give us a, a quick rundown of the plot? The first thing that we, we see is Godfrey Quigley's character Spicer breaking into a surgery and he looks and sees that the names on the plates outside are Dr. Keel and Dr. Treading. And inside the surgery, there is Dr. Keel, who is talking with his receptionist slash nurse slash fiance Peggy and about how they're planning plan to get married. They haven't told Dr. Treading about this yet, but they, they do and they ask him to be best man. And then... Quite weirdly, he says, well, do you want me to be best man or do you want me to give the bride away? Why don't I do both? Well, they may actually have had somebody else in mind for the other role. But anyway, there is a box that's turned up for Dr. Treading that he thinks is a drug sample and just puts it on the pile with all the other drug samples that he's got. Turns out that it's actually a heroin consignment that is meant for a Dr. Treading with a different spelling. And Spicer is there to try and get it back because the drug gang that he is associated with, their runner made a mistake in dropping off the heroin to the wrong Dr. Treading. So Spice is there to try and get it back. He's not able to. He goes back to a sort of mid-level boss. It says that he's not been able to recover the, the parcel and that he's seen Peggy, who is the one that the parcel was delivered to and thinks that she would probably recognise the courier. They contact their overall boss, who you only see at the end of a end of a phone stroking a dog, who says that the the courier is useful, the girl isn't, so it's the girl who needs to be killed. Uh, Spicer overheard Dr. Keel and Peggy agreeing to meet at a, at a jeweler's at a particular time. He goes along there, shoots her dead, end of first act. In the rest of the episode, Dr. Keel is trying to find out who is responsible for the for the death of Peggy, feels that the police aren't taking it particularly seriously and aren't doing particularly well. And uh, he talks to Dr. Treading, realises that there is another Dr. Treading who was struck off uh, and goes around to, to try and see him. He's dead by the time he, Dr. Keel gets there. And while he's in Dr. Treading's flat, there's a woman turns up uh, who is looking to, to get given some heroin. And so Dr. Keel realises that Treading is working as a pusher 
And when he gets back to the surgery, they find out that the box that his Dr. Treading had been given contained heroin. So that Dr. Treading go, goes to the police about this. Dr. Keel meets up with, or is contacted by John Steed, who says the police aren't going to get anywhere with this. You help me out with this and I will get you to the, the man who killed your fiance. So they come up with a plan that they that he's going to be flagged up as the next victim. He gets waylaid by the gang. Spicer is going to kill him, but then there's a shot and one of the other goons is shot dead. Spicer escapes to turn up again in the next episode. Things are still unresolved. It, it's basically a two-part pilot. So next episode, we'll be looking at Brought to Book, which is the second part of the Spicer duology. I really enjoyed that. You're the one that's coming to this completely fresh. Mm. Um, You've seen so all I these before. I think you said that you hadn't seen any season one Avengers. No, nothing. Uh, I've seen a handful of the Avengers over the years with you and uh, when my nana was alive. That was very much her bag. I really enjoyed that. I thought mm. as an introduction to the series, nothing like what I've seen in the future. I know you've already warned me about this, but it is quite a different beast. Obviously, the first 20 minutes exists. Dortmund, obviously, the first person we see on screen. Uh, Godfrey Quigley from Daleks Invasion of Earth 2150 AD. Uh, Murray Melvin as the campus gangster. I think he might even trounce Camp Freddy. And he, he went on to become Billis manager in the first season of Torchwood. Yes, I, I've not seen Torchwood for a long time. so But yeah, I do vaguely remember that. We get a brief glimpse of a police box as they're driving to assassinate Peggy, I notice, in the pissing rain on a, a road that looks suspiciously like it's made of plastic sheeting. I didn't notice that. What I did notice is that the murder of Peggy is very, very sanitised. There's no gunshot. You don't, yeah, you don't see the gunshot. You see a rifle being lifted up and then it goes back to her falling over and Dr. Keel's bloodstained hand as he sort of examines her back. Then it's a passerby saying, is shield, do we need to get a taxi? And then the, that reel finishes. Absolute so, kudos yeah. to Alan Hayes for the rest of the episode, the reconstruction, which I, again, I wasn't coming to with any sort of um, great enthusiasm. Reconstructions vary. There's not a great deal of material for There's no audio soundtracks like there are with Doctor Who. There's no telesnaps for this episode, only a handful of, of production stills, which don't necessarily correspond to what went on in those second and third reels. But they did a really, really good job. It's easy to tell what went on in the rest of the episode. And by the end of it, you're left feeling... Steve does appear. He, he just sort of peppered throughout it. But yeah. you're left at the end of the episode with that very much friend or foe attitude. Yes, and and that, that isn't immediately resolved in Brought to Book. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come to Brought to Book in the next episode. But yeah, Steve is very, very different to the, the character that we come to see in later episodes, and particularly after the, the third season. So when we're looking at the Diana Rigg episodes, the, the Linda Thorson episodes. A little bit about some of the other people who are in this, because there are a few telefantasy alumni. Philip Stone, who plays Dr. Treading, was the, the brigadier, the boss in The Rat Catchers, another British spy series a um, couple of years later than The Avengers. Sadly, only one episode survives. Catherine Woodville, who played Peggy, turns up in another episode of The Avengers in season two, but more significantly, became Mrs. Patrick McNee. Really? Yeah, four or five years after this. 
Ronnie Vance, so the the boss that you only see stroking his dog in this episode, but will turn up in in Brought to Book, was played by Robert James of Lesterton fame. Oh, right. The detective sergeant was played by Astor Sclare. A name with which to conjure. Quite. um, Who played the sort of base controller for the MR rockets in the Pathfinder series. Played a character called John Field, kind of their contact back at the launching base. And the, the final thing to say in terms of telefantasy is that Philip Stone, in his last role, appeared as Spencer Quist in the 1999 remake re of Doomwatch. Well, coming on to the Big Finish audio adaptation of this, they've taken the original script. And with a lot of Big Finish, I'm a, bit, I'm a staunch Big Finish fan, but with a lot of these series that they've done, they've not entirely hit the mark or they've reimagined it a little bit. So I went into this with fairly low expectations. I'm actually quite impressed because they do have a, a full script to work from and they have, very much like Doctor Who really, they've tried to structure the episode as a proper 1960s episode, even down to the advert breaks, sort of musical stings to lead out. David. There you are. I thought I was the one who was going to be late. I'm so sorry I got held up, you see. <gasps> Peggy? Darling? What's the matter, Gov? Is she ill? Here, quick, get a taxi! I was really quite impressed with it. The only criticism I've got is that on first listen, Steed and Keel, they actually sound very, very similar. It's only the cadences of the voice that are different. Yes, and it it does suffer a little bit because when you're listening to the big finish, you can directly compare that first reel. And it's a, a very faithful reconstruction mm. of it. I don't normally listen to the, uh, the Big Fish interviews, but I did listen to the the one at the end of Hot Snow. And they said it was a, an absolutely conscious decision that they were doing the episodes warts and all. So where there were inconsistencies in the, the plot as written that could be sorted out without writing a revision, they deliberately didn't. It was, this is the plot that is as close to what went out as we can get. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm glad. I'm very, very glad that there were no revisions because it has become quite trendy to take 60s stuff and clean it up and get rid of all the anything that could be looked on as a little bit uh, sexist or near the knuckle or racist or... I mean, there's nothing to complain about in this episode anyway, but they've not done that. They've not done um, what they've done with something like Adam Adamant and and sort of sanitised it. It's not the sanitization that's a problem with Adam Adamant. It's the complete reinvention. So it's sort of, it's almost a, a modern take on a 60s show rather than trying to recreate a show from the 60s. And I really disliked Big Finish's Adam Adamant. I didn't think it worked at all. Um, I think that the problem was entirely down to plotting. And had they done something like they've done with the Avengers, where they try and recreate the original episode, episodes that are missing as much as possible, that would have been much, much, much better. 
Agreed. I don't think the, the big finish Adam Adamant did particularly well. I don't think it was popular with the fans, and I don't think they did more than the, the first disc thing. But on the topic of the Avengers, which is the full thrust of this podcast, we shall draw it to a close. So, final thing, how many out of five are we going to give this? Um, it was good. It was a, a little slow, but that is television of its time. Universally excellent performances. Peggy was a little bit wooden, but only by com- comparison to the others. Mm. I mean, certainly Ian Hendry and uh, Philip Stone put in fantastic performances. And I don't think it's fair to compare it to what came later. So this is nowhere near as innovative and inventive as the, the Diana Rigg episodes. But as the first episode of a crime drama, I think it sets out its cards very well. For all, we talked about the shooting being a bit sanitized. It's actually quite a nasty, gritty story. I think I'm going to give this four out of five. Um, I probably agree with you there. I think partly because I'm enjoying the freshness of it. I'm coming to this completely brand new. And it's left me hungry to find out what goes on because the episode did end on a a cliffhanger of sorts. So, yeah, four out of five, I think. A good start. On the basis of Hot Snow and the Big Finish adaptation, I'm looking forward to doing the rest of these. Now, by necessity, this first episode is slightly longer than usual. Uh, We've given an overview of the whole series here, but we won't be watching or at least covering each of the episodes in turn. Yes, and we, we will be back for Brought to Book. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye now. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, with thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions, and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. Come and get those kinky boots, boots, kinky boots. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.